0: You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. People who do not use password managers are three times as likely to experience identity theft as those who properly use them. Hello,
1: everyone, and welcome to the CyberWire's Hacking Humans podcast, where each week we look behind the social engineering scams, phishing schemes, and criminal exploits that are making headlines and taking a heavy toll on organizations around the world. I'm Dave Bittner, and joining me is Joe Kerrigan from Harbor Labs and the Johns Hopkins University Information Security Institute. Hello, Joe. Hi, Dave. We've got some good stories to share this week. And later in the show, Corey Wagner, Senior Industry Analyst at security.org, Joins us to talk about their research on password managers. But first, a word from our sponsor, Know Before. Where would InfoSec professionals be without users making security mistakes? Working less than 60 hours per week, perhaps? Actually having a weekend every so often? We get it, user behavior can be a challenge. But users can also be an Infosec professional's greatest asset once properly equipped. What do we mean by that? We'll stay with us and in a few minutes we'll hear from our sponsors at know before on that very question. Hey, Joe, Joe, uh, before we jump into our stories here, we've got quite a bit of follow-up this week.
2: Yes, we do. And uh, this is going to be a password manager-centric show, <laughs> although our first follow-up actually isn't a password manager follow-up. Okay. It's from Mitch, who uh, wrote in about the gift card scam we talked about late last year where bad guys put a barcode on top of the existing barcode so that you reload their gift card account instead of buying a gift card for someone you love and care about. Oh, right, right. I remember that. Uh, And Mitch writes in, hi guys, thanks for a great podcast regarding this particular scam. I had kind of heard of this before, but didn't quite understand how it worked. So it's great to understand that now. There is an easy mitigation and some of the gift card makers are already using it. They are putting a tear strip over the barcode so, in order to activate it, you have to remove the tear strip. Then you can scan the barcode. If you then try to put it back on the shelf, the tear strip will either be missing or damaged since you have a clue that this particular card has been compromised. Or it gives you a clue that this card has been compromised. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's probably not perfect because uh, some guy is going to suspend or spend the effort to glue the tear strip back together probably a lot better than what's going on today. If people start gluing tear strips back together then you can make it. So it's like, like in one of those old price tags, you remember the price tags in stores where they come apart. It was always made gift giving. So, so much easier. Um, but you could tear the strip into little pieces and then make it harder to glue back together. Or if you're a bad guy, you can just print up a new strip with a barcode on it. Yeah. Um, this depends on somebody being aware that there is a there's supposed to be a safety strip over top of the barcode. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're not aware of that and you just see the barcode on there, then you know who knows yeah. what you're going to get. Yeah. Um, I think the only solution here is maybe start securing the the actual gift cards. Although you know, why do you want to secure something that's technically worthless? Um, <laughs> right. Until until you put money on it.
1: Right. Yeah, and they don't want to slow down people's ability to buy them. Either, right. You know. Yeah. Put them behind glass. Yeah. That's right. Yeah.
2: The next feedback is about password managers. It comes from Neville, who was written in before. And he says, Dear Dave and Joe, the last episode of Hacking Humans, you, uh, there was mention of the pros and cons of having a cloud-based password manager versus uh, KeyPass. KeePass. And I'd like to share this with you. And he sent an article along uh, about KeePass. Uh, there's a uh, security researcher named Alex Hernandez who found a way to abuse the triggering system in KeePass. Hmm. Now, I want to be clear. Uh, because last week or last time we were talking about this, I did say that I was using KeePass, but I'm actually not using KeePass. I'm using KeyPass XC. Okay. I was Oh well, uh, I was using that. I've actually gone back to using password safe because <laughs> I did have to just eventually give in and install Windows on this machine that I was trying to run as a Linux machine and just settle for the Windows subsystem for Linux.
1: You are a promiscuous password manager user, Joe. Yes,
2: Yes, I am. <laughs> uh, and uh, so now I'm back to using Password Safe, which doesn't have this feature. Also, uh, what's what's key is that I don't think that Password or KeyPass XC has this feature either. And the big difference is KeyPass is written in C sharp, and KeyPass XC is written, I think, in C plus plus, and is portable to other other uh, operating systems if you recompile it. Okay. Uh, but the magazine article, PC Magazine article, talks about. Uh, Alex Hernandez's research, that he found a way that you could export the database of passwords uh, with the with the trigger interface. And it didn't require you to log into the, to the system. The, you, you had to, in order to write a script, you just had to have access to the, uh, to the application on the, on the computer.
1: Well, back so, up a second here. Okay. What, what are we talking about when we're talking about a triggering system? I don't okay, know what so that is. He, uh,
2: that's a good question because I'm making a big assumption that everybody knows exactly <laughs> what I'm talking about. Uh, but KeyPass has what's called a triggering system where you can write scripts that do certain things with the data. Okay. Okay. And there are triggers or events that can happen. Uh, and when one of those triggers fires, you can bind some code to that that performs a certain action. Okay. And in this case, what Alex found out was that you could bind code that just exports a the entirety of your password uh you know your the, your password database here and upload it to an external site hmm. so essentially if you if someone compromises your system good enough to actually just get access to the file system right and write uh write and a- edit this script edit the scripts that that are already there there's already files that are there they're just empty yeah uh, and then you can they could enter this script that would upload your your plain text database of passwords out and resulting in a data breach of this. Oh. Um, KeyPass developers said this is not a big deal because it uh, <laughs> it's, if somebody has that kind of access to your computer, you're already in trouble. Um, there <laughs> True.
1: Is, I, I guess what gives me pause is the fact that your passwords are in plain text ever.
2: Right. Well, they have to, when you do the export Uh, you can put them into plain text. Oh, I see. A lot of password managers have this feature. Okay, I'm with you now. So you can back it up and keep it offline in storage so that if something ever happens to your password uh, vault, whatever it is, or God forbid you lose your YubiKey, (laughs) what (laughs) do you do then, right? So it's a feature, not a bug. It's a a feature, but the triggering system... uh, Now, at the bottom of this article, there was a comment that says, it looks like they did something to address this. I don't know what they did. I didn't have a lot of time to go go in and look at it. But... uh, but like I said, the XC system does not seem to have a trigger, triggering system built in. It just, it just shows you the passwords. You can export your passwords with XC as well into plain text. Okay. But you can't have that automated. All right. Um, and finally, Richard writes in uh, about password managers. You want to read this one? Sure. Uh, he says, hi, Dave and Joe. When it
1: comes to password managers, Bitwarden is the only one I recommend to users for whom KeyPass or KeyPass XC might be a bit too technical as it is open source. It also has a paid hosted Cloud sync option, which is very inexpensive, $10 a year for a single user, more for enterprise stuff. This means they have the resources to do things like hire people to do third-party security audits and have a greater user interface. Uh, there is an option to host your own Sync server. You can secure login to Bitwarden with a hardware token on the paid version. There's a client on Linux for the real nerds, <laughs> and uh, uh, they even well, they once even implemented a feature that Richard recommended on their user forum. Ah, so well, seems that's, like that's a good re- enough
2: reason to go with that.
1: Responsive, right? Yeah. Okay, very good certainly I mean bitwarden is absolutely one of the better known options out there mm-hmm.
2: yeah yeah bitwarden is an open source password manager the the service that they're charging you for is for the hosting and things of that nature yeah and, and the integration and the other features of using uh like a, a fido alliance key or whatever it is yeah. to authenticate uh definitely worth it if you if you want to pay 10 bucks a year for that I would definitely do it
1: mm-hmm all right. Well, thank you, Richard, for sending that in to us and to uh, all of our listeners who send us stuff. We'd love to hear from you. Our email address is hackinghumans at cyberwire.com. All right, let's move on to our stories here. I am going to start things off for us. Okay. Uh, I've got a story from Dark Reading. This is uh, written by Jonathan Watson. He's chief technology officer at a company called Clio. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's titled, Are Your Employees Thinking Critically About Their Online Behaviors? Um and what this comes down well, to— I know the
2: answer to the headline question, Dave.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> to, to spoiler alert, Joe. Spoiler right. alert. <laughs> yeah, I, nothing gets by you, Joe. Right, that's right. <laughs> I'm a very astute reader of headlines. Yes, indeed. <laughs> um, and, and really what this comes down to, I think, is whether or not— the degree to which everyone in your organization is on board with the things that they should be doing— to support security. Right. Um, And uh, this article points out three mindset shifts to start with. And the first one is understand data's fundamental value. Right. Uh, The second one is act with intention. And the third is follow data best practices no matter the context. Yeah. So here's what I want to talk about with you. I think people come at this in general from a high level from – two different points of view. There are the people who are 100% on board or some degree of being on, maybe it's unfair of me to say 100%, right. but there are people who are on board Right. and they believe that they have to be part of the solution here. Yes. Uh, and then there are the folks who say, that's not my problem. Yes. I've got enough to do here in my job and that's not my problem. Right. Yep. I think about it kind of like um, uh, if you work in a retail establishment, what is your responsibility to help cut down on shoplifting? You know, they, in other words, you know, you're sitting behind the cash register at uh, the electronics store. Somebody comes in and grabs a VCR off the shelf. I'm dating myself.
2: <laughs> if in. they grab a VCR, you go, just take it. Yeah, <laughs> take it with you. Exactly. You want some more VCRs? We got a box of them in the right,
1: back. Right, <laughs> right. And on the shelf next to it is a time machine. Right. Uh, so... <laughs> So they grab a, a VCR and they tuck a fax machine under their other arm <laughs> right. and they head out of the store. Is it your job to say, Hey, stop, come back. Is it your job to call the security people or is it not your job at all? Do, why why risk your own uh, safety for someone who might be a dangerous person uh, to stop? And, and I'm, I'm just curious what your thoughts are here, Joe, yeah. when it comes to cybersecurity where do we stand with that? Where should we stand with that?
2: So, uh, your analogy is a pretty good one. In, I, I did some moonlighting at Best Buy at one point in time. Okay. Uh, and Best Buy has their own inventory control people. They're the people in the yellow shirts when you walk into the Best Buy that are sitting there.
1: Right. Uh, they say, hello, welcome to Best Buy. Right.
2: Hello, welcome to Best Buy. we don't, <laughs> don't steal anything. don't steal anything. Right, right. Right. Um, they're, they're loss prevention. And in order for you to have a store that can offer decent prices, you're going to need to have some manner of loss prevention or you're going to have to uh, accept the loss. And that just leads to higher prices, and that is bad for business, right? Sure, yeah. So uh, in, when we were there, they, we were told, you are not to intercept anybody. That is not your job. That is loss prevention's job. They're trained to handle that. But your job is indeed, if you see someone suspicious, to notify loss prevention. Ah. Right. Mm-hmm. So there is a clear delineation uh, here. And, and I think your analogy holds up here. There are some things that are your responsibility and there are some things that are not your responsibility. Mm-hmm. So as a normal employee, it is your responsibility to uh, to be vigilant, to watch out for things like credential harvesting. Yeah, um, th- Those things there's, uh, it, or to no- notify somebody that that's happening. Mm-hmm. If you see it, or mm-hmm. to to report spam uh, or phishing emails. Although we had a re- a story recently that said something like eighty percent of those reports are false positives. Right? People think yeah, they're phishing and emails and think, they're not. I
1: think with your report last or last week you were talking about how like less than two percent of employees report uh, right. sus- suspicious things. Yeah, it's yeah.
2: it's incumbent upon employees to report suspicious things to uh, to the to the security team. It's incumbent on the Company to do a couple of things. Number one, have a way for employees to do that and socialize that throughout the company. Mm-hmm. And number two, create a business culture where people care about it. Uh, I've said this before that if you induce apathy in your employees, that's going to be really, really dangerous, particularly mm-hmm. when it comes to cybersecurity stuff. They're going to be like, "I just don't care." Yeah, uh, and I think that might be even more dangerous than than having malicious actors inside. You know, if you have because your your malicious actors are going to be few and far between. But people that don't care, you can make that across the organization. Right. Bad idea. Yeah. I also think it's
1: really important to communicate this to your employees and not just uh, what you need to do but why. Yeah. Um, You know, I had a situation actually uh, with uh, here at CyberWire where, um, you know, we had to do some security awareness training. And uh, I'll be honest, I sort of rolled my eyes about it. And I was Mm -hmm. like, oh. Like, I kind of know this stuff. Yeah. Do you know know? (laughs) who I am? I'm Dave Bittner. Well, I mean, (laughs) but, you know, not only that, but, you know, I host a show about this. So, yes, perhaps I was taking myself a little bit too seriously. (laughs) Um, But, uh, you know, again, I'm busy. I'm busy. You know, I I didn't want to take the time to do this. So I I asked, is there any way I can, you know, be exempt from this? I think I'm kind of, I think of of the folks who work here, I might be in the top percent of people who are up to speed on this. Yes. But it was explained to me that part of uh, the reason why we do this is to, in addition to training people and for awareness, it's so that we can say as an organization, everyone is trained on this. So if there is a problem Uh, We can say that, you know, everyone in our organization has has done this and has, um, uh, has passed the test. So as an organization, we are compliant.
3: Right. So I think
1: I, that's important. I hadn't considered that part of it. And when that was explained to me, I said, okay, yeah, that makes sense. So it's worth my time to contribute to the team, the greater good of the whole organization, and go ahead and take that training. Right. And I and I I was fine with that, right? It w- didn't seem like such a, a pain anymore. So I think that is an important part of this people want to know why they should do something and not just be told, you got to do this because, you know, it's yeah. what we do and it's the way we do it. And
2: Yeah, you know. that is a big change, especially for a lot of older workers. Uh, in the workplace, they have grown up with, do this, and their response is, okay, right? And, <laughs> yeah. you know, you and I, when we were in, uh, you know, our first jobs were very much like that, right? Sure. Uh, and now we have younger people who when they were being brought up, their parents would say, do this. And they'd say, why? And the parents would answer the question, mm-hmm. right? Honestly, and that, frankly, that's the way I raise my kids, Yeah, right? They would ask a question and I they'd say, why? Or I'd say, do this, they'd say, why? And I uh, sometimes i just say, just because I told you and we'll explain later, but you need to do it now. Um, but many Don't times- Don't make me get my belt. Right, no, <laughs> never, no never did that. Um, many times, most of the time, I would take the time to explain why. Yeah. Um, and, the, and, and that's the way a lot of people are brought up. Additionally, by explaining why, I found that I got a lot more buy-in from my kids. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, I remember when my daughter was very young, we were talking about uh, she, she was time for her vaccinations. I said, we're going to go in here and we're going to get you some shots. She says, mm-hmm. I don't want a shot. And I said, uh, do you want to you get a, a terrible disease that may kill you in a very slow and painful way? <laughs> and she said, no. I said, well, the vaccination will prevent that from happening. Right. And she said, okay.
1: <laughs> yeah. Right.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, by explaining that to her, I got by. And I don't mean to com- compare employees to children. I mean, it's not the same thing. No. But it's human nature to need to understand the reasoning behind an action. Right. What's and the value proposition? What's, right. Exactly. Why yeah. am I doing this? Yeah. Does this have any, any value? Is it worth my time to do it? Yeah. Like exactly what you were saying. Uh, is it worth Dave Bittner's time to sit down and take the social engineering course when Dave Bittner and Joe Kerrigan sit down every week and have an in-depth discussion on social engineering <laughs> right, tactics? Right, exactly. Right. So, yeah, it's, it's worth it. So do, do do the training and here's why.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There's another thing that this article points out. Uh, it says security theater distracts from steady improvements. Yeah, I'll agree with that. And it says uh, security theater is, uh, the, they say it's a set of rules or guidelines that offer the appearance of security but don't guarantee it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a good point too here because I think when you have security theater and people recognize it as being such, mm-hmm. it's frustrating.
2: I'll give you a great example of security theater that I uh, experienced or was talking to my son about yesterday Yeah, is when you go to a uh, financial website and they say to you, uh, your, your username cannot be the same as your email username or cannot can contain the same kind of, you know, if you're, we're going to have a different username. So uh, then your email is right? right. Sure. So, or your username must contain a digit uh, Okay. because that makes it harder to guess. Yeah. That is security theater. And the reason that's security theater is because if the data gets breached, the username is always going to be in plain text. Yeah, it doesn't matter that you have made my username more complex for me. Uh, it's going to be it's going to be in plain. It's it, yeah okay. Maybe it's harder for someone to guess what it is if they don't know it, but if they breach it, they're going to guess. Yeah, they're going to know. They're not going to guess. They're going to know.
1: Yeah. So I, I think as as leaders, as as people who are making these policies in the organizations, uh, you just need to be mindful that you're not doing that you're not having these security theater, these, what we, 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 sometimes I think you refer to it as, or we refer to it as, um, you know, check box yeah, security. Yeah. That's, right? or, or yeah we're some, compliant. Some <laughs> of that will
2: make you, some of that will make you more secure. Some of it won't, you know, you yeah. really have to consider the motivation behind, behind things.
1: Right. Right. But I think the overarching uh, thesis of this article is quite good, which is, you know, encourage critical thinking in your employees. Um, but if, when you do that, you have to expect that they are going to think critically, which right. means <laughs> you have to have good answers and explanations for why you're doing the things that you do. And you need to welcome those questions.
2: Right. Uh, and it, one of the, one of the best ways to get in, get buy-in is when you explain your reasoning, follow that up with, that's why we're doing it. And that's the reasoning. Now, if you have a better idea, I am all ears. Mm. let's discuss it mm-hmm. because maybe you do have a better idea. Right. Um, right. And, and we should be discussing it. Yeah. If your yeah. better idea is, well, let's just not do that. No. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> right. We're going we're to discuss this seriously. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that is my story this week. Joe, what do you have for us? Dave, my story actually comes from the FTC. Okay. That's the Federal Trade Commission here in the United States. Yeah. And the title of this is New FTC Data Reveals Top Lies Told by Romance Scammers. Oh. So the FTC has gone through, uh, I think, 8,070 reports in 2022. Hmm. And, David, you, you're not looking at the article yet, are you? No, I'm not. Okay, no. good. Uh, l- let's play the, the game we always like to play with <laughs> uh, with these things. What okay. do you think is the number one lie told by romance scammers when they're trying to get money out of the person they've been talking to for a long time?
1: Um, the number one thing is, um, uh, I love you. Ah, okay.
2: (laughs) Yeah, that is, I think that's, that's on here.
1: Okay. Somewhere. I'll tell you the other one I thought of was, um, I want to travel to see you, but for some reason I cannot afford the tickets with which to do so.
2: That's interesting. I would have thought that would have been a pretty high one up here, but that's not even on the list. Really? It's not. Okay. The number one lie is I or someone close to me is sick, hurt, or in jail. Oh, right.
1: Yeah. Okay. Sure. So
2: that is twenty-four percent of these events contained a lie like that. Huh. Uh, number two, and this is interesting. It's actually tied for number two, three, four. But the first one here is I can teach you how to invest.
1: <laughs> right, of and course. we talked about
2: pig butchering <laughs> right. on the show, and that's what this is. This is an opening to a pig butchering scam. Right.
1: Romance plus greed right. equals profit. Exactly. Yeah.
2: Uh, and these are these are devastating attacks when they're successful. Mm-hmm. Uh, people have lost all of their money to these things mm-hmm. uh, because of the the nature of these attacks. They actually go through the process and actually give you some money back. They actually take a loss initially because they think they're going to get more money, and when they do get more money, they get a lot more money. Mm-hmm. It's remarkably remarkable how good this is. yeah um number number also tied for number two at eighteen percent is I'm in the military far away. That's
1: okay. that's yeah. a common lie. Yeah. Um yeah. that would have I would that would have been on my list.
2: I've sure. seen that one come through uh with um, um on my wife's account. She mm-hmm. says, Oh look, here's another military guy who says he's stationed overseas. <laughs> uh I need help with an important delivery. Oh. Now, this is interesting. Uh it's going to tie into our catch of the day, but it is uh, you know, this is just setting this is just using romance to set somebody up as a as a mule. Yeah. Uh it, We've never met, but let's talk about marriage. This is the one I was thinking of. Twelve percent. Let's talk about let's talk about getting married. Even though we've wow. never met, huh? This is one of the ones where I have no understanding of why people uh, fall for this. I get that they do, and I, I guess I know why they do because it has to do with the loneliness. And now you have someone, right. but it's just something that would absolute, this is one I would be impervious to. <laughs> right. You know, I often talk about the ones I'd be vulnerable to. This is not one of those.
1: Yeah. Uh, I, I think it's hard to imagine or uh, understand the depths of sadness and loneliness that some folks have out there. And, yeah. and it can seem like a lifeline.
2: It absolutely can. Yeah. Uh, and I, and I have empathy for these people. I'm just saying that, uh, this is, this is not something that I don't think this is something maybe who knows, you know, my current position is I'm a happily married man. (laughs) Right. So maybe I'm lacking empathy because of my, my current position. Yeah. Um, I've come into some money or gold. Ah, Hey, now I need your help to ship it. Mm -hmm. Gold's very heavy, right? That's right. (laughs) So I need your, I need your help shipping it. I'm on an oil rig or a ship, right? Um, on an oil rig, I understand how you're sending email or mm-hmm. communicating, but on a ship, do those things have a lot? I mean, I've talked to people who've been on cruises. This is a luxury uh, yeah. line. I mean, they they you do can't...
1: now, sure. I think so. I know, I, for example, uh, sailors have access to email yeah. when they're out at sea. So. That's true. That's yeah.
2: the, yeah, that's, oh, well, okay, that's, that's a good example. I'm on a ship, maybe I'm a, maybe another military person. Right. Uh, and number, the last one listed here at 3% is, you can trust me with your private pictures. <laughs> right. Okay, sure.
1: Joe, I don't trust you with my private pictures. Right, of course not. <laughs> First of all, I don't take private pictures. <laughs> yeah.
2: The article then goes on to talk about, no, I don't either. And you know what? Uh, I've always, I've, you know, it was one of the things I hammered into my kids when I when I gave them the the cell phone, right? I oh, said, yeah. look, yeah. don't even think about doing this. <laughs> yeah. Don't, yeah, you're, they're going uh, to lie to you. Yeah, they're going to, uh, and I hope that everything was uh, that uh, you know. I don't really know if yeah. you know there may there may have been exchanges that I yeah. don't know about, yeah, but I'd hard. like to think so no, much, and I'm going to continue.
1: So to much think. peer pressure with that stuff yeah, these days. Absolutely. Yep. Glad glad we didn't have that.
2: Yeah, uh, you don't you do not want your picture showing up on four chan. There you go. Trust me. Yeah, um, but. The article goes on to spotlight uh, one of these schemes using this technique and trust me with your private pictures. The romance scammers then use sextortion uh, where they where – they, after you share these pictures, they threaten to expose them. Right. Uh, and the report notes an increase of more than eightfold in the past three years of this tactic hmm. uh, with customers' ages – 18 to 29 being six times more likely than older customers to report this kind of, uh, this form of romance scam. So uh, it looks like this is one of those scams that younger people are more susceptible to.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: Uh, And I think that stems from just a general lack of experience. Maybe you've exchanged risque photos in the past with no consequences. Right. And now you're going to continue along this path with somebody you just met online. And <laughs> but once this happens to you or once you see this happen to a couple of people, you gain that experience and you never do that
1: again. Right. The the cynicism of life has not yeah. yet set in for these people. Yeah, and I think that's why people <laughs> eighteen to twenty
2: nine are six times more likely. And I'll bet if you broke that down, that really skews to the younger side.
1: Mm, I would like to see
2: that information.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, it's a pretty short article. We we drug it out. Long, but it's uh, you know it's a good read. It's interesting. I yeah. love data. I love looking at graphs and yeah. talking about them. All right, good stuff. Well, we will have links to
1: all of our stories in our show notes. Joe, it is time to move on to our catch of the
2: day. <laughs> Dave, our catch of the day comes from Gordy.
1: All right, it says. Uh, The catch of the day is an email, right?
3: and it starts off, and it says, We've studied your resume, and our team choose to invite you to join the employment procedure at our swiftly growing company. The job role title is a quality-level control associate at PS Group LLC. Career specifications, professional, U.S. citizen only, passionate and supportive. Concentrated on targets, basic skills using MS office programs, capability to carry deliveries weighing at most 30 pounds. The role chores are inspecting packages to determine whether they match the enclosed packaging slips, generating reports on a daily basis, saving data in regards to shipments, obtaining and mailing mail. You'll be receiving packages, examining all of them, and ensuring its content is undamaged. Then the shipments must be transferred to the client. If you desire to send the application, please remember to respond to this email with your contact number. A team associate from our HR department will get back to you at the earliest possible convenience to schedule a job interview with you. We will be really glad if you're prepared to take this proposal.
2: Basically, this email just says, hey, Gordy, would you like to be a package mule for a criminal enterprise? <laughs> <laughs> right? right? I, I think... This is actually, they, there may actually be HR people on the other end of this email from a criminal enterprise looking for you to be a uh, package mule. I think if you respond to this, you're going to get roped into that. Mm-hmm. That's uh, that's what I think is going on here.
1: Just real quick, a package mule is?
2: A package mule. Uh, say So here's how this works. We talked about this, uh, I think last week or a couple of weeks ago yeah. with the, uh, the scams of moving, uh, packages or, or going up to be like, it's kind of like being a porch pirate,
1: uh-huh.
3: except
2: there's fraud involved in terms of, you're not just going up and stealing packages. Yeah. These people know where a package is going to be delivered uh-huh. and they tell you to go to the place, you pick it up and then you bring it back, you open it and then you re-deliver it out to some, out to some other place, usually out of the country. Right. Uh, so, yeah, you're part of a criminal enterprise stealing stuff from companies like Amazon or maybe even smaller businesses. Yeah. But they're using fraud to purchase things, and then they have to have legs in the U.S. to uh, to go and get the packages. All right. Well, our thanks to Gordy for sending that
1: in. Again, we would love to hear from you. If there's something you'd like us to consider for our catch of the day, you can email us. It's hackinghumans at thecyberwire.com. dot are talking about making users into an asset for security professionals. Simply put, users want to do the right thing. They're often just lacking the knowledge to do so. That's one of the reasons KnowBefore has released Security Coach, a real-time security coaching tool that takes alerts from your existing security stack and sends immediate coaching to users who've taken risky actions. For example, Imagine a user has visited a high-risk website or tried to open a document containing malware. Existing security tools will likely block that action, but the user might not understand why. Security Coach analyzes these alerts and provides users with relevant security tips via email or Slack, coaching them on why the action they just took was risky. Help users learn from their mistakes and strengthen your organization's security culture with Security Coach. Learn more about Security Coach at Nobefore dot slash security coach. That's Nobefore dot slash security coach. I recently had the pleasure of speaking with Corey Wagner, a senior industry analyst at security.org and our conversation centers on password managers. More about password managers. Here's my conversation with Corey Wagner.
0: So at security.org, we want to make sure our readers have as much information as possible to make the decisions they need to, to protect themselves online. Part of that is making sure they have information about their digital security and password managers are really important Practice that we encourage everyone to use as part of their online safety strategy. Um, they're very essential for protecting your data online, but consumers haven't fully embraced them yet. So, part of the reason why we do this study is to educate people on the effectiveness of password managers and their simplicity. So, this is our second annual study we've conducted. They're nationally representative, and we just found out basically how americans perceive these tools and how they are employing them to keep themselves safe online
1: well so let's dig into some of the things that you all shared here i mean what are what what's the state of things in terms of use of password managers how many folks are on board these days
0: absolutely so this year over last year it's a very similar rate about 21% of americans are using password managers to protect their credentials this is as many as forty-five million Americans, so it's you know pretty decent market um, saturation. But of course, many more people might benefit from these tools as well.
1: And what do we suppose is keeping people from uh, from taking this up?
0: So, some of the main reasons people aren't using these tools is because they're not even sure that they need one. So. They might not understand exactly how they work or um, what they might protect people from. Other people felt that they might not be secure. And that is a reasonable thing to think, especially because in the past year, we've heard about major password manager um, companies having data breaches. So that might have definitely influenced why some people are still not adopting these tools. Very high profile breaches um, from LastPass in particular, that's a really popular tool, so that might have gotten the attention of a lot of non-users. And then other people felt the cost was just too much for them, or they felt they were too hard to set up. So those those two reasons are also probably attributed to a lack of knowledge about the product because they can be free and they can also be really easy to use. They're often built into your browser or built into your actual device. So, those are a few of the main reasons why people aren't using them.
1: And what are we seeing in terms of people's general relationship with their passwords? You know, are they are they improving or are people still reusing passwords as much as they used to or are we seeing that trend in a good direction?
0: Unfortunately, we're not seeing a great direction in terms of best practices for passwords. The number one most common way people are keeping track of their passwords online still is just pure memorization, um, followed by writing them down on a piece of paper. So if you have passwords that you're memorizing, writing down, they're probably not going to be very complex passwords. They're going to be really simple. So that also is extremely risky. Um, like I said before, only about one in five people are using password managers. And those are really great because you can generate these complex, unique passwords that are really hard to guess. That would take, you know, many millions of years for someone to guess it using a computer program. So yeah, it's, it's not trending in a great direction. And we also found, unfortunately, that people who, don't use password managers are experiencing identity theft at a much higher rate. So Hmm. that's another reason for people to maybe consider using these tools. In fact, yeah, I can tell you exactly. People who do not use password managers are three times as likely to experience identity theft as those who properly use them. Hmm.
1: And what about mobile versus desktop here? You tracked a a difference in adoption rate between those two types of users, yes?
0: Yes, so that was actually really interesting. We found that this year, um, the mobile usage actually surpassed the desktop usage. That was surprising to me because the first place I ever used a password manager was on my computer, like my personal computer, and I adopted it on my mobile phone a lot later later. So, I figured maybe that would be the same for others as well. But, you know, we need to log on to just as many accounts on our phones these days as on our personal computers. So, it would make sense that, you know, more and more people are also using password manager apps on their mobile phone. 84% of people this year said that they um, have a password manager app on their smartphone.
1: And what about the the major providers here? I mean, I'm thinking of you know companies like OnePassword or LastPass. and um, are, are they continuing to lead the way here?
0: So unfortunately, there was a, a quite a big change this year over last year. Um, LastPass, like I mentioned, dropped from the number one password manager down to the fourth in our study. And like I mentioned before, they did have a widely publicized breach not once, but twice in the past 12 months. So that definitely could have caused the company to lose favor with consumers and probably diminish trust. You're putting your most essential information into these tools. So you need to know that they're going to be secure and no one is going to be able to access that information. So that definitely caused a change in our rankings this year. Overall, the most popular tools this year are Google Password Manager and the iCloud Password Manager. Um, Those are built into either Google Chrome or built into the iPhone. So these native tools are really popular just because they're free and they also don't require any additional downloads. They're just easy to use, built right into your device or built into your browser.
1: Did you all track any statistics of, of people using these at work versus using them in their personal lives?
0: Yes, we did. Um, about fifty percent of people only use them for their personal information, and then the other half use them for either work only or work and personal use.
1: And what do you think it's going to take here? I mean, what are your recommendations for for folks to to better implement these to to get more people uh, using these password managers?
0: Absolutely. So as bad actors harness technology to steal people's identity, and to conduct data breaches. I think it's important for us as individuals to also remember that we can use technology to fight against these kind of attacks. There's really nothing to lose in trying out a password manager. Like I said, they can be free, can be built in already. You don't have to spend any extra money. I would encourage people if they are interested in using a tool like this to educate themselves about the the benefits, um, how they work, and also definitely encourage people to protect their master password. Yeah, there's absolutely nothing to lose in giving it a try. And you might even find that your information is safer than it has been before. And you could also avoid, you know, an identity theft incident in the next 12 months. These are becoming more and more common. This is not something that's going away. So people really should be looking into as many um, strategies as possible, as many tools as possible. To protect their digital information.
1: Yeah, I don't. I don't know what your experience has been like, but for me, when I started using a password manager, you know, I, I think I went through that that little bit of resistance that most people do when they're trying something new. But once I got into the habit of using it, I, I never want to go without it. I, it really does make things easier in the long run.
0: Oh, I totally agree. So the number one reason people adopted password managers in our study was simply because. They had too many passwords to just keep track of in their memory or on a piece of paper. Um, it wasn't even for the safety benefits or the data security benefits. It was just to not have to memorize all of these codes. So yeah, once you try it out, you might find that it's just so much easier not have to memorize every single account. A lot of us these days have so many online you know, accounts, your bank, your car payment, your social media accounts, it is way too many. So, yeah, that's absolutely a benefit that people should not ignore.
2: Joe, what do you think? You and I agreed a couple of weeks ago that despite these breaches, we're still on Team Password Manager. Yes. Right? So, uh, sure. LastPass was it LastPass? Uh, LastPass
1: was the one in the news lately. Right. Yeah, For having, having the big two breach. breaches
2: in the past 12 months. Yep. Hey. Yep. Yeah. Uh, 21% of Americans now use a password manager. That is up. I seem to remember a single digit number not too long ago. Mm. Do you remember that?
1: Uh, I don't recall specifically, but it wouldn't surprise me that it's on the way up. I think, I, I think certainly there's more awareness.
2: People are listening to us, Dave. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it's, it's all because of us. It's true. <laughs> Why do people not use a password manager? They don't know they need them yeah uh, the idea of password reuse is uh, is not a security threat to a lot of people. They're like,, uh, my password is pretty pretty well protected mm-hmm. uh, and that's all well and good until you come across the poorly developed website that has not encrypted your password or hashed your password, yeah right and it's just storing it in plain text. That has happened in the past. Hopefully, that doesn't happen very much anymore. but if I had to hazard a guess, I would say it happens. yeah, of course um, yeah it's it's out there. Uh, so when, uh, when, when Corey's talking about people that write down their passwords, the, uh, the weakness there is if you're not using a, uh, a, a good way to generate those passwords. Mm-hmm. So there's the XKCD where you, uh, cartoon where you can pick, uh, uh, four words that make a password. That's a pretty good technique. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you're writing those down in a book and keeping that book, uh, in a secure location, I still don't have that much of a problem with that. I mean, yeah. it's not it's not the best solution, but nobody's ever going to hack that book remotely, right? Right. It's it's still a, it's still a good solution. A to- it's a totally viable
1: solution for some people.
2: Right. Yeah. Right. Some people might not be using password managers because they are uh, they have a cost associated with them, and they're difficult to get set up. There's a yeah. learning curve with them, and there is a little bit of a learning curve. That's true. It's it's not debilitating though it's a minimal learning curve
1: no and and i make the point that once you have gotten over that hump yeah uh, i think for most people you'll wonder how you lived without it right it's
2: <laughs> it, it's it's a, a thing that we say frequently on this show we, yeah. we have no idea i have absolutely no idea how i didn't live with a password manager before right um uh, going back to the to the uh, the notebook, the one thing I would recommend you not do is keep an Excel spreadsheet with your passwords. Ah, uh, right. <laughs> which which I was actually guilty of in the early two thousands. Uh, mm-hmm. So don't. Uh, I didn't actually keep the passwords in them. I just kept what you know notes about which password it was. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> you know, because I was reusing passwords right. until I got
1: right. password saved. Right. They were buried in your front yard under a rock on a sheet, on a piece of parchment, and right. you, you had to, no, I just say a secret code of th- where to.
2: This password is your standard password. Yeah. This password, yeah. you
1: know, but yeah. use a
2: password manager so you can have independent passwords. Right, for every and site. back then you had
1: a standard password, right? right? And of course yeah.
2: now you don't. People know. Well, I don't, but peop- there are people out there that still do. Yeah. Oh, I did too. I think most right. of us did. Yeah. There has been no. What's interesting here is that Corey talks. There has been no word, no improvement in password practices of people. Hmm. So if you're, yeah, you know, if you're not using a password manager, I guess that would that's that's first an improvement, letting the password manager generate your password and remember it for you, right? But if you're not using a password manager, then people are still doing the same thing they've they've always been doing, right? Mm-hmm. Using, uh, reusing passwords, changing a digit, one digit, incrementing it by one to get to the next password, right? Uh, those kind of things. Um, it's interesting that ID theft is so much higher if you don't use a password manager. Mm-hmm. Because, and the reason is, is because you're, if you're reusing passwords, it's easy to guess your password on other accounts. And that's just, they're just if they breach one site, they're going to breach a lot more sites. Yeah. Um, it's, it's an interesting, there used to be a Twitter bot that would tell you when there were password dumps made to Pastebin, but they shut it down. Mm-hmm. Which is a great, a great site, or a great bot. Rather, um, a good uh, security-minded bot, but they it violated the hacked um, what the hacked content policy of Twitter. Hmm. It cl- pretty clearly violated
1: that.
2: Hmm. Um, mobile use has now surpassed desktop usage. That's interesting. My wife uses the mobile password manager from Microsoft.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah,
2: yeah. She stores it in there, or maybe it's Google. I don't know, but she uses it. And 84 percent of people have a password manager on their phone. That's wonderful. Good yeah. news.
1: iOS has one built in. Yep, it's quite good. Yeah. Uh,
2: the fact that LastPass has fallen from number one to number four shows that people uh, who use password managers pay attention.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So uh, I think I really think that's interesting. It may also have something to do with the fact that all the password managers on your phone, like the Google Password Manager, the Microsoft Authenticator Password Manager, and the iOS Password Manager, they're all free. Yeah, you don't pay anything for that. Right, uh, right. Um, and you you get that. So I, I think those. Business models might be going away. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know take that for whatever it's worth.
1: Well, And a lot of you know we've talked here, but we're, there's a serious um, concerted efforts to move away from passwords altogether.
2: Yeah, absolutely. and that's um, you know there is going to be some some kind of key management system that that takes over and replaces passwords right um, And hopefully and the, the big challenge there is making that usable. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know usable security is is good security. Uh, interesting about the, uh, some people, you know, the, the statistics break, uh, I can't remember what she said about the breakdown for numbers, but some people use password managers for home and work. I would absolutely recommend everybody do it for both. Uh, I, something I've started doing is keeping two separate files. Um, Mm. so that when I'm done with a job, I can just say, okay, I can get this, this file of password manager, just archive that or get rid of it. Right. And, um, uh, then i don't have to destroy all or go through and remove thing i just don't have to worry about it
1: yeah and if you were if something went you know wrong at work you and your employer parted ways they could cut off access from your password manager if you were commingling your personal stuff right. with your work thing which of right. course you know Generally, you should not do, but lots of people probably still do it. It's a
2: good idea not to co mingle your stuff. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, Then you could be cut off from personal things because you won't have access to that password manager anymore. Absolutely.
2: That's a good point. Yeah. One that I hadn't even considered.
1: All right. Well, our thanks again to Corey Wagner uh, from security.org for joining us. Uh, We do appreciate you taking the time. We want to thank all of you for listening and of course we want to thank our sponsors at NoBefore. They are experts in helping users do the right thing through new school security awareness training. That is our show. We want to thank all of you for listening. Our thanks to Harbor Labs and the Johns Hopkins University Information Security Institute for their participation. You can learn more at HarborLabs.com and Isi.jhu.edu. The Hacking Humans Podcast is proudly produced in Maryland at the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our senior producer is Jennifer Iben. Our executive editor is Peter Kilpie. I'm Dave Bittner. And I'm Joe Kerrigan. Thanks for listening.